All right, welcome everybody to episode nine of Study Hall. We're back after a week-long um, hiatus that happened because we're lazy. But uh, I'm Trevor Denton with Jordan Hunter, Daniel Halpern, uh, who called me fat earlier today, and Jimmy uh, Goodman, whose girlfriend called me fat the other day. What, what's up with this, guys? Like, I need to have like a serious. Uh, you know, I'm tired of defending myself every week, man. What, what, what do you guys have against me? What's going on? We're all about body image positivity, but we're also your friends you know what i mean like we want to <laughs> enough is enough Trevor. time to time to hit the gym come on all right, i'm not getting into this i'm not getting into this all right we are going to get into uh championship weekend um we had the obviously um the buccaneers and the chiefs is our super bowl matchup like i it goes without saying but what tom brady is doing at age 43 is absolutely uh, absurd T- making his 10th um super bowl appearance um you know I mean, he's convinced me, man. I'm going to start eating more avocados. I don't know, man. I don't know. What are you guys' immediate reactions to? We'll start off with Tom Brady making his 10th Super Bowl at age 43 uh, with a new team. Starting with you, Jordan, I'm going to start with you because you're the Patriots fan um, in the room. Does this feel like watching your ex-girlfriend like go off and, and succeed? Like, uh, what, what, is it, what does this feel that's, like? That's right actually, now? I said that exact, that exact thing a few weeks ago. I was in the car and I was like, Watching Brady succeed makes it, it just feels like your ex breaking up with you and then you seeing her be with a better looking guy. Oh. But, but you, you still kind of want the best, but you're still like, oh, what could have been? Um, I, I mean, I, I didn't think they would get to the Super Bowl, but uh, at least at the beginning of the season, but I'm, I'm really happy for Brady. Like you said, 43 years old, 10th Super Bowl. I, I need people to chill on the LeBron Brady comparisons in terms of championships because LeBron is what? four and six and Brady could at worst be six and four. Um, so I, I, Brady just, you know, continued that goat status. Uh, Dan, I know you were, you were saying Mahomes was the goat, what, like two years ago? Yeah. I've been on it the whole time. Like, when he was getting drafted, Dan was saying he, he was the goat, <laughs> but um, no, this, this is, this is great. It's, it's the passing of the guard is kind of what I see it as. Um, even if Brady doesn't win, we now know Mahomes has got the, you know, the league's in good hands. Uh, I, I don't know. I, it's too early to give a pick, though. I don't know who I would go with, though, for this game. Well, thank goodness we have another week. But, you know, you brought up, you know, being dumped and then, you know, the girl finds a better looking guy. And, like, who better to speak on that subject than, than Jimmy Goodman? So, Jimmy, you know, as a Tampa Bay native, um, you know, how, how, how are you feeling about the, about the Buccaneers um, making the Super Bowl and about Tom Brady's legacy? He brought up the LeBron comparison. Um, what are your kind of reactions, thoughts right now? This city is buzzing. There have, there's truly, if we can be honest about it, there's not been a city that's had a year like this. And people can be like, oh, what, what did LA do this year? LA has eight teams, eight teams, just in the big four sports, right? And if we want to go to soccer too, hey, we put our USL team in the championship as well. That's four for four. And this is coming from Tampa, a city that people are just constantly like relentless on they're like oh like send people to games it's like yeah dude drive 30 i'm gonna stop jimmy here last or two weeks ago i needed to go and it took me like three hours doing all the bleeps let's try to keep this a little bit more uh more pg okay fair point continue jimmy i am nothing if not someone who prides himself on catering to a family-friendly audience (laughs) <laughs> but when you bring up Tampa Bay sports, it gets a little rowdy. Uh, that's the name of our soccer team, Tampa Bay Rowdies. Just, you know. Anyway, uh, no, like this city, like seriously, like this is one of the best years the city's ever had, just very objectively in terms of sports. Like 
Boston's not had a year like this. New York's not had a year like this. I mean, like, there a handful of times in history, can you pick out a time that a, one city has been so dominant at the same time? And I think that when we talk about Tom Brady's legacy, like, I, I think a big part of the story that you have to mention is that he brought a Bucks team that had not make, made the playoffs in 12 years. Uh, their last win in the playoffs was literally the Super Bowl in 2002, right? Like, this is a team that he brought from kind of from the dead, right? Obviously, there's a great team around him. He has great weapons. He has an excel, excellent defense. Uh, but, like, <laughs> like the team didn't make the playoffs for 12 years, right? So I, I came in, you know, to this year, or at least before Brady signed, having hated him for my entire uh, childhood and young adult life. And now I'm in the weirdest position of all time. The craziest thing that's happened in 2020 slash 2021 is I like Tom Brady. It's, it's bizarre. I don't know what to do with myself. Uh, so in terms of, you know, sky's the limit with this team, really, it is. So I, I'm going to go the complete opposite route as you guys. I think Brady making it to the Super Bowl means just about nothing. He was put onto an already stacked team that added the likes of Leonard Fournette. Uh, Ronald Jones mm-hmm. also had a breakout year. You now have Antonio Brown, who I will say has not really done much for the team. But I'm just saying, you. It, I was talking to a, a friend from Tampa uh, that Jimmy knows, and he was saying how Tom Brady is like Thanos with the Infinity Gauntlet, just adding stones and adding stones, every single piece around him. And the weapons around him, they, they got Gronk also. It, any quarterback could have taken this team at least to where they were last week. And yeah, Brady may have pushed him over the top that little bit of extra, but the defense is playing out of its mind. Devin White might be the best sideline to sideline linebacker in the NFL. He is like actually fantastic out there. And the team is solid. If if Brady didn't make it to the Super Bowl with this roster, it honestly would have been a letdown in my mind. And I think that he's exactly where he should have been with what's going on around him. But they, you, you okay, say, your, I, your team, they beat your team. You can't say that, you can't say that, oh, Brady, you know, this means nothing when they beat the two, the team with the two best records in the Saints and your Packers. Okay, the Saints frauds. I think that we can all agree that that team was falling apart. They needed to have Jameis Winston throw a touchdown for them in the in the playoffs. Okay, that's how bad things were going for them. And with the Packers, I it, it was a failure late in the game. It was a failure early in the early, game. It was a failure. The refs, the refs were atrocious. Oh. Uh, and I, I can go on all day about it. Do we want to get into the, the championship let's games? Get or? That game. Let's get into that game because I think it's an interesting debate of when exactly the Packers lost that game. What was the fatal decision? To me, I think it's inexplicably uh, going for a field goal on fourth and goal with two minutes left and giving the ball back to Tom Brady. That makes no sense. That's playing not to lose. I, I, I mean, that's one of the most indefensible decisions that I've seen in an NFL playoff game ever. Uh, it's spineless because either way, right, even if you don't score a touchdown, you still have to get the stop. Even if you do score the touchdown, you got you to gotta get a stop. You got to get a stop either way. So to not go for the tie um, and playing not playing for the points there was was truly baffling move by Matt LaFleur that will haunt him for the rest of his life the same way those two Super Bowls haunt, haunt Kyle Shanahan. I think that this will haunt Matt LaFleur for the rest of his life, and it could end Aaron Rodgers' tenure. I know he you know, kind of downplayed that later on, but – um, I mean, Aaron Rodgers, I mean, you. Uh, how are you going to argue? Because I know you and Jimmy, Halpern and Jimmy like this call. How are you going to argue in favor for it when Aaron Rodgers, the team's own quarterback, called it out as terrible in the press conference saying, that wasn't my decision. I mean, it was one of the worst things I've seen in a playoff game. Yeah, so Trevor, you play 
and and you you watch football uh under like baby rules right uh you you have like this like weird mindset where it's like oh like you gotta try like if you don't try like you're probably the kind of guy who's like you know angry that someone might not kick like a 65 yard or like a 70 yard baby rules it's it's the freaking freaking nfc championship bro you have to play for the win you can't give the ball back to tom brady with just over two minutes to go okay no no no. i need trevor you're saying you need to go for the win if you go for it, you're going for the tie, though. You're not going for the win. Yeah, so either way, you have to get a stop either way, so you might as well try to go for the tie. You have to get a stop either way, so you take the three points, and then your next no, touchdown no, 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 no. wins well, the with game. The tie, with a tie, you're at least guaranteed to go to overtime if you get a stop. With a field goal, you're not even guaranteed to win with a stop, so you might as well but go for it. But, Trevor, there's, there's more than two minutes left on the clock. They ended up getting back the ball ahead of the two-minute warning. That means that you need to then stop – what was that, Jimmy? Three timeouts in their pocket as well. You're you're leaving Tom Brady on the out. field. Tom Brady can – in my head, there's two different games that are being played depending on what happens. If you go for it and miss it, Tom Brady – sorry, sorry. If you go for it and make it, Tom Brady goes into full, I'm working it down the field and getting a field goal mode versus if you just kick the field goal, Tom Brady is still in like game management mode. He wants to run the ball, just get that first down. He's not trying to go for the big play. It's two different schools of football late in the game. And I think that it benefits the Packers more that they're in that, ooh, let's just try to run out the clock because they're not going to try to really get a big play. They're not going to use their normal offense. They're just trying to run out the clock. And you also have to consider what are your possibilities of getting it on fourth and goal from the eight-yard line? If you want to be mad about the play calling and the decision-making, be mad that they threw the ball like through the end zone, three straight plays. And Aaron Rodgers, who literally had one of the most wide open running lanes that a, a quarterback could possibly have, just decided to do literally, and it actually finally clicked with me today when I watched the play again. He literally did Brett Favre in the NFC Championship game for the Vikings. He did the going across his body into the middle of the field. He's lucky it wasn't picked off. But if you watch that play, it's very overblown that he could have walked into the end zone. That's what? not that's Devin ridiculous. White. No, no, Devin that, White, that is Devin ridiculous. White had, that a, had a ridiculous nice angle on that. People are looking at people are looking at that play when he starts to throw the ball. Of course, the linebacker is going to go the opposite way. But a split second before that, a linebacker has a great angle on him, and he could have gotten clocked. Yeah, I, agree. I don't think he's no, making it, it regardless. Matter. But it he's, he's getting a couple yards. Sure, he could have gotten a couple yards, but that's neither here or there when we're talking about a fourth down call. Um, that's a third down play, Trevor. It's it, and a couple yards makes a huge difference in terms of what you can do on fourth down. If you're fourth down and goal from the five yard line or in, of course you can run a play. Of course you will run a play. Are you back to like eight yard line is like this impossible task, though. I I think that it's a big difference from five yards to eight yards. I I think that even though it's only three yards, it's a whole different like I guess playbook. I feel like Jimmy's pulling up the stats here on what the percentages are. Um, but, but in the meantime, I want to get back to your question while Jimmy's looking this up. But your original question was, when did the Packers lose this game? The answer is, when Kevin King was cleared to play in the game rather than being listed as injured, okay? He was burned so many times, it was disgusting. But I, I will say, the no call on the holding or pass interference on Alan Lazard before it was intercepted, and then they ended up scoring the touchdown over Kevin King, that, that was ridiculous. It, I, I agree that it was pass interference at the very end of the game on the on the third down that would have given the ball back to the Packers had it been a stop. I agree it was pass interference, but they didn't call it all game. So it's inexplicable that they go and they call it then because there was holding there. There was holding on Devontae Adams, I think a few plays before uh, the, the fourth down. I forget if it was first, second, or third down, but there was a clear holding on him there. 
There was another holding on Alan Lazard earlier in the game. I believe it was in the third quarter. And it was being called both sides. Both ways, there was not a lot of calls. I think there was, what, maybe just a handful of flags in the game. But the calls for the Buccaneers that weren't happening, the the no calls uh, in the Buccaneers' favor were on – or sorry, on the – I guess like the ones that were hurting the Buccaneers is what I'm trying to say. Uh, Those ones were on like second downs. It wasn't major plays for the Packers though. It was on consequential plays. The interception that ended up leading to a touchdown, uh, missing, missing touchdowns towards the end of the game that could have helped them that led to field goals like that. Uh, Jordan, it looks like you're trying to get in here. What what I'm going to say is the game was, was lost when that the last play of the first half, that's when it really kind of, you know, one. It was solidified, what? It was like solidified it because it was fourteen to ten. They the the Buccaneers were gonna kick a kick a punt. I had time to go and make chicken dumplings by the time the actual the actual play started. They called timeout. They went over it. They decided, okay, we're gonna go for it. It was about like six seconds left. And what kind of defense was were the Packers playing? You knew that they. I don't think the Bucks had any timeouts. They had to go deep. It had to go into the end zone, or it was gonna be just you know end of end of the half. And they were playing trash defense. Again, King was, you know, got burned by the self-proclaimed fastest player in the league, Scotty Miller. You know, Brady loves his, his, his small, white, shifty receivers. I will say that. But that's where the whole the whole game kind of changed because it went from 14 to 10 to 21 to 10 going into half. And, yes, the Packers got the ball back. But it's a lot diff- It's a lot harder to come back when you're down 11 going in the second half than when you're just down four. That would And, you know, that could change the game later in the fourth quarter with this whole – you know, go for a fourth down or not go for a fourth down. Well, and don't forget on the first play of uh, the second, or not the first play, but the first drive of the second half, Aaron Jones fumbled the ball and the, the Patriots ended scoring a couple of plays later. It was an 18 point game, pretty much. I think there was 14 and change or 13 and change left uh, when the Packers got the ball. So really it was like the Packers were starting down 18, starting the second half. Uh, I got some interesting stats for you here. So uh, from a study by advancedfootballanalytics.com, sounds very reputable. Uh, they said that the conversion percentage by distance to go within the 10-yard line, which is where the Packers were, is 30% on fourth and eight, right? So you have a 30% play, and you're, you're saying that you want to take a 30% shot at the end zone after you've missed it three straight you're times. You're in the same situation. Against the third best defense in the NFL, when you have the fourth best how, defense how in the NFL by DVOA, by DVOA, you have the fourth best defense in the NFL, three timeouts, and by virtue of how lucky they were on the kickoff, uh, the two-minute warning to stop them. You want the fourth defense, the fourth best defense in the NFL, or do you want to take a thirty percent shot against the third best defense in the NFL? That's, I mean, like that's the decision, right? That is the decision, and it was a, it was a self-made problem, right? He didn't have to throw it three straight times. You run it once. That's you fine. let Aaron Rodgers run. I would have loved that. I think Aaron Rodgers makes it to the end zone, but if you look at the stats, if he even gains a couple yards, the chances that they get it based on where they'd be on the field, like skyrocket, like even one or two yards. I would have loved a Jamal Williams run on first down. I I think that he was running the ball really well all game. I think that would have put him in good position. Even getting two yards off of that changes the entire ball game. 
I mean, I don't disagree with anything you're saying. Obviously, they should have had better play calling on the first three downs. But we're talking about the fourth down, and I'll answer your stat with another stat. Since they've been doing all this advanced stat, stat crap, whenever that was, 2010 or 14 or whatever, the only two teams have ever kicked a field goal in that situation trailing by eight with under like three minutes to go. And the reason why no one does that is because it makes no freaking sense. You you need a touchdown either way. You might as well try to tie the game. Then, then you're trailing by five. So either way – so, whatever. but you can go for the win. Your your argument is, oh, they should have gone for the win, but they're not even going for the win. They were going for the tie, Trevor. Either way, you're going you to need to get the touchdown. It, there's no difference between trailing by seven in that situation and trailing by five. Either way, you're going to need to get into the end zone again. So, I, I think maybe I told you guys in the group chat. Uh, Does that not make sense? Aaron, back me up here, man. Aaron Rodgers had three straight plays where he was unable to complete a pass. I agree. Then, Trevor. <laughs> Aaron Rodgers had three straight plays where he was unable to complete a pass. Then, uh, instead of him arguing to his coach, leave me on the field to make a play, he just walked off the field. Quarterbacks, especially, especially ones with great reputations, can stay out there and say, coach, go back. I you, want you this know play. That they invented the, uh, the headset in like 1962 and that he was probably told they weren't going forward on fourth down in his headset right after. No, the he, uh, if you listen to the, the Pat McAfee, uh, podcast with Aaron Rodgers the other day he said that he uh that he didn't know that on on third down the idea was to uh to to kick it on um on fourth down I, I'm pretty sure he said that yeah, if yeah, not, I saw that I saw that he said okay. he said he didn't know it was go through the scenario Aaron Rodgers not only needed to complete a pass on fourth and eight then he also needed to do a, a two-point conversion. I think that the confidence might not have been there. And I love Aaron Rodgers to death. And I think that he has the, all the cockiness in the world. But I think that he he stood there three straight plays and said, I am not budging on this. I'm just going to, you know, this is what he wants to do. I'll go with it. And then, you know, after the game, when it doesn't work, I'll go and rip into him. And if it works, then I'll say, oh, this was a genius call. I, I think that he was playing he was playing both sides of the game. Like if he walks off the field, he can say, Hey, it wasn't my call. He told me to get off the field. Like what, what am I supposed to do? But there is something you can do. And Jimmy, you can, you can tell them Lamar Jackson does it all the time. And I realize it's not the end of the, the, the NFC championship that Lamar Jackson's just doing it against like the, the, the Steelers who are frauds or whatever, but you can wave off the field goal unit and say, I want to stay on the field. I am the best quarterback in the world. I'm the MVP. Let me even take shot. Yeah, I, that's exactly what I was going to say. You know, Lamar Jackson against the Seahawks last year, everyone knows the play. They have the they have the mic'd up audio on the sideline. He, he literally yells at Coach Harbaugh and says, we're going for it. He well, gets he the entire sideline behind Roger him. Have done that. I'm saying he didn't want to do that. I'm saying he didn't want to do that. This is his legacy. He's only been to one Super Bowl. He, he, can't, he can't come in and lose another NFC championship. To, to, to Brady and the Bucks. This is his legacy. He needs to get back to the Super Bowl to keep cementing his legacy. I disagree. And this is a total conversation for another day. Aaron Rodgers' legacy is not in Super Bowls. I, I think Aaron Rodgers it, does it's, not. It's not, but I mean, it, it, def, it definitely will help. You, you can't, because I mean, at the end of the day, he's going to have what? Probably one, maybe two Super Bowls under, like in his career. Yeah, we know how great he is and all that, but you still got, you still got to win rings, especially when you're a team who's, one who had the best record and is probably the best team in the league outside of the Chiefs the whole season. That, I mean, that's all, that's continuity at the end of the day. All that's I know that Tom, Tom Brady has the same number of NFC championships in one year in the, in the, in the league. I mean, that's got to hurt your legacy in some way. I mean, this dude's been at it for 15 years. Not just as Aaron Rodgers, but as Drew Brees. Same number yeah. of NFC championships. More playoff wins, I believe, than Drew Brees in the I NFC. Mean, 
when you factor in all the Super Bowls, but in yeah. a league designed for parity and designed not to dominate, Tom Brady's found a way to dominate. Aaron Rodgers, Drew Brees um, have not. It's as simple It's as simple as that. But I, I think it's a terrible call. I just think when you go through the scenarios, you're trailing by eight. You need a touchdown either way. I just don't see how a field goal helps you there. I, I just I don't see it at all. I it's don't like see you it. didn't listen to anything you said, Jimmy. He's unredeemable. Know. How does it help you? You haven't said how it helps you. It helps you because you they put themselves in a position two like two I, I want to say two four Keep going wrongs, back to the first three plays wrongs, let's focus on the fourth down let's focus on the fourth four, down okay well here's the, the fourth down is completely contextual any fourth down is contextual if you if you again I will harp back on them a million times but the Ravens the Ravens intentionally run the ball three straight plays because they know that fourth and two is a great situation they'd rather take fourth if it's third and eight they're going to run the ball because they want fourth and two instead of passing on fourth and eight. Right? Like it's it's simple math. So when you put yourself in fourth and eight or fourth and goal from the eight, I mean it's the only situation that, that it's the well, only then you have to go have. for a touchdown because Tom Brady's on the other side and he's not gonna not let the clock run down, which is exactly what happened. That field goal did nothing for them. They had a chance, they had a 30% chance at eight points. They gave it up. The Buccaneers end up running out the clock because they put it in the other team's hands, which is ridiculous. Well, it's a, it's it, Trevor, it's a moot point. I mean, they got a first down. I, the way the, the Bucks' offense was moving, who knows if they, like, get into field goal range. And yeah, they put them score. in a position where they only needed a first down versus having to drive down the field and score and get a field goal. I, I mean, think, it's absurd. Trevor, I think I will make my case here on where we're standing. Jordan, how many times have you seen Tom Brady go and lead a drive with two minutes and three Dude, I would rather have to I go don't, and score even a field goal. Wait a second, wait a second. How many wait, times have you seen it, Jordan? Countless? You keep cutting me off. Many, many you keep too many to count. Yeah, I'd still rather make him drive down the field and get a field goal than one first down. Especially how playing that second that second half was very forgettable. Three picks in the second half. Yeah, you don't want to. You don't want to. You 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 want the offense to. You want you want in the offense's hand. You don't want it in your defense's hands. Who gave up what thirty one points? How many points have given up that whole time? Exactly. Well, it's still going to be in the defense's hands. And I think what Trevor's forgetting is that the running game, everyone remembers a great Leonard Fournette run. Except for that, the running game for the Bucs was completely impotent the entire game. The, nothing was coming Ronald up. Jones it was total blank. Absolutely nothing. Leonard Fournette had a couple, like, decent runs. But, like, for the most part, yeah, they, they were unable to run the ball. The, the line of scrimmage for the uh, – the Packers were dominating the line of scrimmage. <laughs> completely. Absurd. I think it's absurd. I think it's absurd that you guys are even arguing that because – Say you score, say you tie it up. Yeah, then you're making, you're forcing them to drive down the field. And then you're, and then if you don't, you still have to get that one stop that you would have still needed to get with the three points. It just doesn't do anything for you. You need to take a shot there. You need to try to tie the game. But the three game, points does not swing the game in either direction. The game plan is different though when you're trying to stop them from getting a first down and when you're trying to stop them from getting a field goal. It's two yeah, completely they didn't different stop games. Getting a first down. You're talking about how many times Brady has led a game-winning drive. How many times has he picked up one first down? But you're also saying this like they had reasonably good chances of scoring, which they honestly didn't. It's from the eight-yard line. We've seen this guy flick hail marys from fifty-six yards. It's easy. It's, it's harder to throw. It's harder to throw a touchdown in a confined area. It's literally harder <laughs> from the eight to throw it than it is from the twenty. I'm gonna look the eight-yard is the, the eight-yard line is literally one of the worst places to try and score on one play. Like on the field. Just saying. Simple math, man. 30%. Not bad. I'll take those odds. Especially with the MVP and the, you know, best receiver in the league, some would say. Y'all are dumb. And right. we'll be back after this commercial break.
Welcome back, everybody, to episode nine of Study Hall. As always, I'm Trevor Denton with Jordan Hunter, Daniel Halpern, and Jimmy Goodman. I was really hoping Jordan would back me up there at some point. That was the worst tag team partner since Rey Mysterio with Batista when Batista would have to do everything. And Rey Mysterio, leave this in, and Rey Mysterio would just get his ass kicked by Kane for like 20 minutes, and then Batista would have to come and save them. That's what it felt like, except unlike freaking uh, um, Rey Mysterio, you know, you never even came and helped me at all. And shifting away from sports a little bit, we've got a new segment called Pitcher Half Full, Pitcher Half Empty, basically how this works. We're going to say one minor dub we got this week, some positive things that happened to us this week, and then we're going to say a minor inconvenience. I'm going to start off, you know, because I invented this, and I'm going to go with my uh, my Pitcher Half Full is that I mailed something today, you know, didn't, uh, didn't have to call my mom at all. I've mailed things in the past, but normally I have to call my mom and go through it all. Very complicated process, not fit for millennials. You have to actually drive and go inside somewhere. You can't do any of it online. And then you have to physically take out a pen and like write stuff and know where it all goes. But I did it today with no issues at all. It's on its way. And I'm very happy about that. Been meaning to mail this for six weeks, but I was too afraid. Overcame my fear of the post office, got it done. And that's my, uh, that's my picture half full. Over to you, Daniel. Uh, my picture half full was a couple days ago. I invested my life savings in GameStop and I took it out uh, yesterday and uh, it was amazing. No, I'm joking. I, I didn't do any of that. But uh, my picture half full has to be, I made a pretty great new recipe of chicken ragu today uh, as money of my uh, my followers on my Instagram food account that I definitely have uh, know. I like to take a recipe and then make it my own. I threw a little bit of a curry powder in my chicken ragu and some brown sugar. It really brought some sweetness, a little bit of earthiness from the from the curry there. I really enjoyed it. A couple extra spices. It was delicious. My girlfriend enjoyed it very much. Also, uh, one year anniversary. That was also a, a slightly bigger win than what we're looking for on pitcher half full, pitcher half empty. Uh, yeah, man, I'm glad, I'm, I'm glad dating a girl for one year hasn't changed you at all. The eye roll there was so aggressive. All right, another guy with a girlfriend, Jimmy Goodman. What is your what is your picture half full? Uh, my picture half full is I finally got my dad to start watching the F1 series. Uh, he had really, like, when I say he's gotten into some weird and stupid shows just to not watch this show, I mean it. Like, the last show that he watched for this was, like, some Spanish, like, drama that was dubbed over in English, but, like, the subtitles didn't even match the dubs. It was ridiculous. Like, it was like this, like, I don't know. It was, it was terrible. It was was it then, you know, I, I got him on to F1 and, and like, he liked it. Like, you know, and I got, I, I wanted to get Daniel onto it. He ended up getting onto it. If you haven't watched the show, watch the show. Uh, season three should be coming out probably in the next month. It was a crazy 2020 season. You want to check it out. So that is, that is my minor dub of the week, Jordan. Um, So my minor dub is kind of similar to Trevor's kind of, you know, thinking on your own about your parents. We have a garage here. And, you know, the last couple of times it's rained. Uh, there's got some water in the garage and some flooding. So today I ordered a, uh, like a little, a little seal to seal the garage so water won't come in. And there's currently an insane storm in LA. So we'll see if it actually worked or if the garage is going to be flooded in the morning. That's my minor W for the week. Yeah, that's a big dub though. That's a big dub. Anytime you do anything handy like that, you know, Mad respect, mad respect. Um, I barely know how to shovel snow off of my car. But my now to the other end of the spectrum, uh, pitcher half empty, always your least favorite part uh, of being at study hall when that pitcher starts to dwindle. This is the negative part of our week. And, you know, 
I'm going to go with the classic scenario that I seem to get into all the time. You know, it actually relates to the post office. You know, I'm trying to leave the post office. Someone holds the door open for me. I say, thank you. But then it's a double door situation. So they are forced to then hold the door open for me again. And then I'm like, do I say thank you again twice within the span of three seconds? Or do I just let it go? I ended up saying thank you again. And it was awkward. You know, they usually laugh at you a little bit. And I hate those situations. I think we should just abolish double doors. There's no reason for that little five foot area. Like I either want to be inside or outside. I don't care if like it gets a little cold inside. Like there shouldn't be that little five foot area like in gas stations where they sell propane tanks. Just have it inside or outside. Make up your damn mind. We shouldn't have two doors in a row like that. So we're forced to make those decisions. On to you, Daniel. Uh, well, wow. That, that's that's a lot on uh, double doors. I'm a big fan of the vestibule. You never want to let too much of your heat out. Uh, let the cold in. And, uh, you know, I'll, I'll stand by it. I don't really want to get into another heated argument with you now. We, we've had one yeah, earlier. Yeah, this could be even more emotional than that. I didn't know you were <laughs> such a big fan of double doors. I, I, is that how the Halpern dynasty was invented? Was all double doors just creating a fake need for two doors in one? I don't know, man. I think it's dumb. My, my small dub uh, of, or my small loss of the week, rather, uh, was I needed to pay $80 to get my door opened by my maintenance uh, or sorry, by, by a, a locksmith or lock picker guy, whatever you want to call it. And then I was talking to the maintenance man for my unit today. And he said that he could have just done it for free. Uh, it's really unfortunate. Uh, as it's well chronicled on this podcast, I hate my place. The raccoons are still in my walls. They will not go away. <laughs> it is miserable. I have woken up I don't know how many nights at three in the morning with raccoons or three, four five in the morning, sorry, with raccoons just scratching my walls. It's truly horrifying. Uh, please save me someone. Uh, Jimmy with the mascot helmet on. Yeah. You uh, living in hell does sound like a pretty minor, minor L. Um, for me, uh, I, I would say, you know, also something about the stock market, you know, Robin Hood, this, that, and the other. Uh, but for me, my minor L is that actually, like here in my house, there's a, a dryer, uh, and the dryer's like the lint screen has like this little part that hangs off. So every time you dry something, your shirt or whatever will get caught in it, and then it'll rotate like a, a billion times, and basically ruin that piece of clothing. Uh, so that's like been my minor L for basically six months. Uh, I've really been waiting for this segment to unload this on our podcast listeners. Um, thankfully, I think we're in the first steps of, you know, getting a new lint screen. So hopefully this minor L will be resolved. But for now, it is certainly my minor L of the half a year that it's been going on. So Jordan, to you. Um, so we have uh, a, a crank window near our shower that you can, you know, crank the window open, let some air in while you're showering. And about three months ago, a couple of the window panels fell, broke, and shattered at the bottom of the street. Um, so we've had an open window for three months in the bathroom. You know, it's fine when it's warm, but Santa Monica can get kind of cold. Um, so the last, you know, week, the first the beginning of this week, we just had a wide open window that at any time you would leave uh, your room, you know, in the middle of the night, it would be freezing. And it was, I don't have a robe. I don't have slippers. Um, it creates mm -hmm. a lot of wind. The doors close automatically. It creates kind of a creepy haunted vibe as well when you have doors opening and closing all the time um and now as of two days ago we have a we put a trash bag over so now we get we get less wind and less cold air but it does look very bad it looks, it looks like a trash a trash bag over an entire open window 
and you can still hear everything. Do you have heat in your place? Yes. All right, stop complaining. Uh, I, I'm not jetting back into my place, but we don't got heat, so. We don't have AC, though. It's rough when it gets hot. It's cold right now, though. Damn, those are some minor L's. You know who did not take a minor L today? USC basketball taking the fight to the Oregon State Beavers, avenging an earlier loss on Tuesday. We're just going to close talking about them, but I thought they looked really good. Things that stood out to me, Ethan Anderson shooting the ball well. This team, very proficient um, when you got the, you know, it's it's a given that the Mobleys are going to dominate inside, especially with offensive rebounds. But when you get a good shooting performance from a guy like Ethan Anderson, um, you know, you see glimpses of what this team could be, maybe a tournament team. Um, but throw it over to you guys. Um, what do you think this team's ceiling is based on their recent play? I think that certainly, you know, in terms of areas in need of improvement, it's very obvious with this team. Shooting efficiency, but especially free throws, it's ridiculous. They showed a graphic where they were last place in, in Pac-12 and free throw percentage in 300 in Division One. Are you joking? And, I mean, like, that's something that I hardly even need a statistic to, like, back up. We watch games. It's just ridiculous how many chances they squander at the line. I mean – not only is is it like a huge part of closing out any basketball game where you have to you just have to hit your free throws, but it just cost them throughout the game. And and this team kind of consistently dominated Oregon State. Like you saw it in terms of like the offensive rebound numbers. I mean, they were they were going crazy, but they only maintained at at most like about a six point lead until pretty much the final couple minutes of the game. So in terms of area uh, areas of improvement, it's pretty obvious, but. Anytime you can have a hot team entering the tournament, uh, both the conference tournament and the NCAA tournament, and and a, a number one player like Evan Mobley, the sky is always the limit. I mean, we've seen it time and time again, uh, where teams that don't even really have that much around them just have that one guy, that one magic spark uh, that kind of carries them a long way. Um, I, I would love to get some love to Noah Bauman. He stepped up in the Drew Peterson role today. Drew Peterson, a.k.a handsome, tall Dan Halpern. Sorry, that was me. Um, he had a great performance today. He, he really stepped up uh, both offensively and defensively. So, yeah, I, I, I feel good about the team. This was a, a great redemption win at home against the Beavers. I think this, the ceiling for this team, I mean, with every USC athletic sport, it's got to be like, you know, Pac-12 championship. Um, I, I, the Pac-12 really is wide open. Uh, UCLA has been playing great, but I don't think they're that consistent. Colorado's good, but I think USC can hang around with both of those teams. So it's got to be a Pac-12 uh, championship and maybe a little damage in the tournament, depending on who they get, maybe a win or two, get to the um, final 32. It would be great, I think, for, for this SC team. It's with such Because it's really just freshmen and transfers. And, and Ethan Anderson is really – and Isaiah Moby, the only two – returnees but so i think if they could do a little noise in the tournament would be great for them but nothing too high just because again the consistency level isn't really there completely every game i would love a pac-12 championship for usc i think it would just be a something this school really needs in a big sport uh i think we have like top tennis guy right now or something yeah yeah daniel kukerman yeah that's that's cool i guess but like, let's. let's oh, so you whipped that out of your ass, but you couldn't help me talking about the NFC title game. <laughs> One thing that I will say is, um, and it's it's just about like a, a blanket statement about USC basketball in general. It's disappointing that the fan base is not into USC basketball. We have 
including Evan Mobley this year, it will be three straight years with a first round pick. That means we're bringing in talent. We've had fun teams, fun guys to watch. I really, before I was even a fan of USC football and I really got into USC football, I was a big fan of USC basketball. I used to love watching Jonah Matthews and every single time I would see uh, Rikosovic in and out, I'd be like, hey, look, it's Rikosovic in and out. It would be an exciting thing. And I wish that, and the issue might be, hey, if the Galen Center was open right now, maybe more people would be into it, is who really has the Pac-12 network? And we're just waiting to get those, uh, those ESPN2 games. But, but I want more people to be involved in this team because there are great players and th- it's a fun team to watch. If you watched the game today, for the majority of it until like maybe the last, what, five, 10 minutes of the game, it was a back and forth slugfest. There was nice dunks, some good defense, horrible free throw shooting like always. And it was just back and forth basketball. It was a very fun game of basketball. I don't think I've watched a game of basketball pro or college in a while that I was like that like fully entertained at. And it's it's a shame that the USC community is not more into uh, the the USC hoops team because they they're fun to watch and they deserve a, a larger following. They are fun. I I remember I've had a lot of good memories at Galen Center, just close games, blowouts, sitting courtside, random stuff like that. So I, I do think that they don't get enough enough credit, but they're they're never that exciting though. They're good. They're good games, but I feel like the team is never. We don't have any like highlight real dunkers like that besides like Shaquan Air and a couple times. So I don't think there's too much to draw. Um, wait, yeah, wait, uh, wait, wait, wait. He wasn't wait. Really a highlight level dunker though. Okay, okay. The team, the team that that saw Kevin that has okay, seen rather yeah. Kevin Porter, Onyeko Kongwu, and Evan Mobley in three straight years, and their most exciting dunker is Jaquan Aaron. Are you kidding me? <laughs> Okay, but I, I don't really get excited when, when when big men dunk like that. I want like a highlight reel. I, I for, okay, I forgot about Porter. Porter is is that is that player? I, I forgot about him. Yeah, he was never. Juan Aaron Sisto was a better basketball player than him. A much better basketball player than him. Who? Oh, his sister. Yeah, she was a wonderful player on the women's team. I think she's still on the team. Oh, she is a wonderful player on the women's team. Okay, and I like USC basketball. I mean, I've had some great experiences in their freshman year. I remember just giving it, heckling the, sh- the shiznit out of uh, Aaron Holiday from the stands. I just, I just made it a mission. He was, he was gonna be my target for the whole night. Just didn't give him a break. And that was that semi-famous, you know, like Lonzo Ball, like when the team was pretty hot and LeBron was starting to become a name. That was the best game we- I saw in Galen. Actually, the. The one our senior year against UCLA was the best game I saw in, uh, mm-hmm. in Galen with, with Jonah Matthews. But even that game was like a really gritty, like 54 to 52 game. But it had a sick finish. You only remember the finish. That's actually probably the last game that a lot of USC fans have been to in person. Uh, and I, I mean, what a way to go out, you know, personally, like as a senior. I mean, I, I, that, was, that was the way that my USC sports watching career ended as a student. I mean, it was, it was pretty exciting. And, you know, the team, I, I think the best thing that we can do as USC basketball fans is not to get crazy with our expectations. I mean, it's USC basketball. You know, we have a banner that says the amount of times that we went to the NCAA tournament. Uh, I think that's the expectation level that we have to have with this team. Like, making the tournament, that's kind of, like, cool. Like, you know, like that's our that's our ceiling. Um, I was in a strained uh, relationship with USC basketball ever since Andy Enfield yelled at me for writing an angry column after they exited in the second round of the NIT, but I'm willing to look past this and enjoy this team. You know, I watched the game. This was the first time I watched a full game. I enjoyed watching it for all the reasons you guys said. The Mobley brothers are fun. 
Isaiah seems to be coming in, into his own uh, second straight year with a lottery player. So I, I agree with you, Jimmy. Let's find the pitcher half full. All right. So we've laughed. I've cried. We've talked about the, the Buccaneers making the Super Bowl. Next week, we're going to dive more into the Chiefs, more into this Super Bowl matchup. Really exciting one. I'm really excited for this one. Lots of storylines going on. 43-year-old against 25-year-old. Um, a budding dynasty, perhaps against, um, you know, a one man dynasty and Tom Brady, Tom Brady with the win would have more rings than any other single franchise. Pretty insane. So lots to dive into. Uh, thank goodness. We have another week. We'll, uh, do, we'll cover more of that on our Super Bowl special next week. For now, we're going to take a quick break, then bring a new segment. Stay tuned.